0: I am so thankful that we have a God who is willing to lead us through all those storms and turbulent times of life. I thank Him that He's a God that not only is willing, but He's able to guide us through and bring us the comfort and the help that we need. You know, as you uh, begin to think about uh, the times that God has brought you through one of those difficult storms, it's... Uh, time that we can reflect and rejoice on His greatness and His goodness. As I pray for our church family, I'm constantly praying for different parts of our church family that seem to be under attack and under great stress of trials and hardships. And uh, I want you to know I'm faithfully praying for you and for you to come through. And those times of Struggles that we often have as believers are, are times that we might have that question, is God faithful? Uh, is God able? And is God willing to lead me through? And when we have those times and opportunities to, I don't want to say question our faith, but certainly to examine our faith and to see where our faith is, is it squarely in God and His Word? Is it really leaning on Him and trusting in Him? That it always brings me to a time, I know personally, where I really want to go back to those basic things that I know that are fundamental to my relationship and walk with Jesus Christ. I have to get back to the simplest, common, basic things that I can build on or that I have built on in the past that gives me that greater confidence in what God's doing. You know, sometimes our trials aren't as complex as they are at other times. They're just straightforward. They're simple. We see them for what they are, and we have an understanding how to deal with those. But sometimes they last a little longer than we thought they should, or they are a little bit deeper than what we feel they ought to be, or they come in a a different way than they have before. And Really, it's those times when they're a little more complex that we really need to get back to the more basic things that we can really begin to understand and trust God. And one of the most basic things that God does for us is that He saves us. I'm so glad that God saves us. Amen? That through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that we have eternal life in Him. And so God's salvation is God's greatest gift to us. Uh, There's no other gift that can be compared. There's no other act on our behalf that God has ever done that can equate to Him saving us and giving us eternal life. God is our salvation and our hope. And so I want you to see with me in Romans chapter 10 what the Apostle Paul says about this gift of salvation. If we're going to really be able to endure these hard and difficult trials in our life, then certainly we have to have that strong foundation. And that understanding of what it really is to be saved and to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And so, the book of Romans, especially in chapter 10, is one of those books that takes us back to the basics. You know, I don't think as Christians or as believers that uh, we can really have uh, enough familiarity with those things, basic things that we have in Jesus Christ. Uh, it doesn't matter what uh, uh, kind of Uh, thing that we're trying to do, or it doesn't matter uh, what uh, pursuit that we're pursuing, whether it's in the secular world or in our spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ, basic things are important that we get back to fundamentals. And so Paul reminds us of that. And listen to what he says about salvation. He says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law, the man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks, to this, speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if, we, that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For the heart one believes unto righteousness, when the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who calls upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Bow with me if you would and let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so thankful today that in Christ Jesus and through your word that we have an understanding of what it is to know you and to have this salvation relationship. Father, I pray this morning that you'll remind us of this one fundamental basic thing is that in Christ we all can be saved. And Father, if we have that relationship with you that we can build on it, and that we can find strength and encouragement to be able to navigate through these hard waters of life today. Now, Father, I pray that you'll remind us again of this great, amazing gift of salvation. And Lord, we ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. You know, first of all, I want you to look with me about this gift of God's salvation that really is fundamental for us, a basic thing. Uh, is that uh, Paul begins his understanding of salvation with the idea that he was burdened for others' salvation. If it's important that we ought to have a burden, we must be burdened for others' salvation. Uh, We ought to want to see others have uh, the gift that we have. If this is a great gift, if it means something to us, uh, if being saved knowing Jesus Christ uh, has any kind of value to it, then shouldn't we want to pass on this truth? And shouldn't we want to share it with others? And so there needs to be this deep burden. Listen, as you're praying for uh, Garrison Baptist Church, or if you're praying for our church family, uh, I want to put a request on your prayer list. I want you to pray that God would give Garrison Baptist Church a burden for lost people. Uh, a deep desire to want to see people saved and come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. But look at some of the things about the Apostle Paul that certainly are characteristic of someone who has a burden for others to be saved. One of those things that you can see is Paul's passion. That Paul had a, a, a great desire. Brethren, my heart's desire. Paul speaks about the most inner part of him. Deep down within me is what Paul's saying. this I have this deep abiding desire that that my countrymen, Israel, my nation be saved. Certainly as believers, we ought to have that same deep personal desire for uh, our community, our, our our country to be saved and to know Jesus Christ. Those who uh, are outside of relationship with him. Paul had this passion. Uh, I think Paul had this passion because there's some things that that Paul realized in some things that Paul really held close to him. And one of those things that I think fueled his passion is the fact that Paul never got over his own salvation. That he never got past the great thing that God had done for him. That he'd never gotten past his Damascus road. That it always anchored him in that passion for others to be saved as well. Maybe that abiding idea that Paul had, if God would save me, then he'd save anyone. Uh, if, If I was in the position and the condition of being so far from God, That he would reach out to me and he would draw me to himself. That affected him and all of his ministry and his whole life that he never got over it. You know, you and I, if we thought that way right regularly that, oh God, why would you save me? Or who am I that you would save me? Or after all that I've been, after all that I've done, you would save me. That you, a gracious, holy God, would reach down to a sinner like me and you would save me. You see, that's the kind of Passion that we need for others who also need Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Paul had that passion because he never got over his own salvation, over what God had done for him, over how far God had reached down to Saul of Tarsus, a persecutor of the church, and saved him and gave him eternal life. I think also not only did Paul not get over his own salvation. I hope none of us get over our own salvation. That we get past the joy and the gratitude that we need to have in our hearts for what God has done for us. But let me say to you also, I think that Paul not only never got over his own salvation, but Paul never got comfortable with the here and now. Uh, In Philippians, Paul says this in chapter 3. He says, not that I have already attained, but I press on. And, and the object of his pressing was I press on to the, high, to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul realized that, look, hey, I'm not destined for this world. I'm not comfortable here that this is not my home. Later on, he'd say in that same chapter, for my citizenship is in heaven, not on this earth. And so Paul really never got so fixated on the things of this world or the things of this life that, that it... It drew him away from having passion for people needing to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And so sometimes we get so rooted and so comfortable in this world today that we forget that God has something better for us. That the message of the cross of Jesus Christ is is better than the message or the attraction of this world. And Paul couldn't get past that. That he wanted everyone that he came in contact with to have something better than they could have here on Earth, relationship with Jesus Christ, and so it, it gave him this passion to, to want this desire to want to see people saved. Right? You know, if this world's better than heaven, then we shouldn't want anybody to be saved. But if it's not, we, want to, we should want everybody to be saved to know Jesus Christ is a personal savior. I think the third thing that Paul also understood that gave him great passion is that Paul never forgot the consequences of being lost from God. Being eternally separated from God. The wages of sin is death, he would say in the book of Romans. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, if the gift of God is eternal life, then the wages of sin is not eternal life the wages of sin is separation from God and eternity in hell separated from God. Paul never forgot the consequences of being lost and what that meant. And and if you and I forget that, if we forget the outcome or the future of those that have rejected Jesus Christ and not heard the gospel or not responded to Jesus Christ, then we we realize that, that they're under the penalty and the jeopardy of death and separate separation from God. And so Paul had this great passion. I he didn't want anyone to die and leave this earth separated from God. So he had that passion. You know, wouldn't it wouldn't it be something if we went out every day and everyone we saw we 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 began to talk to them and 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 the, what what we wanted to find out in the conversation was whether or not they were lost or saved. If we begin to look at the world uh, not not uh, th- through color, but if we looked at the world through through salvation, if we looked at everybody, you know, do you think that person's lost or saved? Now, that's how we ought to see the world, isn't it? If we're going to divide the world, let's don't do it in race by race. Let's divide the world in the sense of who needs Jesus and who. He needs to grow in Jesus Christ. So he has this passion. Uh, something else that Paul had, we not only see Paul's passion, but see Paul's prayer. He said, uh, uh, bread of my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they be saved. So Paul was faithful to commit to prayer uh, these who needed to know Jesus Christ. He, he prayed for his own people nationally. But listen, Paul prayed for people individually. And and really, you and I as believers, we we should be doing the the very same thing. I want to ask you a question. Who are you praying for right now that needs to be saved? Who who do you have on your list that you you pray for every day that's separated from Jesus Christ, that that needs Him as their personal Savior? Who are you praying for? Uh, You know, you may examine your list and say, well, really, I don't really have anybody Let me encourage you today, if you don't have anybody on your list, how about identifying just one person? One person. And commit to pray for that one person for the next, say, 90 days. Hey, I want to pray for my uncle so-and-so, or I'm going to pray for my aunt somebody, or I'm going to pray for my son or daughter, or I'm going to pray for my spouse, or I'm going to pray for my parents, or I'm going to pray for that person I work with. And I'm going to take their name and every day I'm going to begin to pray for them that God would save them. I'm going to challenge you. And then in the next 90 days, I want you to come to me individually and say, you know, Brother Mike, that person I was praying for, here's what happened. Do it faithfully. Focus on one and pray for one. And Paul was praying for the, them to be saved. Not only do you see his burden for others' salvation, his passion, his prayers, but also look in the purpose he was praying and witnessing about. He says that Israel may be saved. Here's where his burden was. It was for salvation. That that Paul had this deep abiding purpose that they'd be saved, uh, that they would know him. You know, the Greek word for salvation has several different ideas with it that communicate the same thing, but you see salvation in different facets. One of the things that it means is deliverance. We, we, we all need to be delivered. What do we need to be delivered from? From the bondage of sin. So Paul is praying, he was praying for those to be saved so that they would be delivered from the bondage of sin. When you and I pray for someone to be saved, we're praying uh, for them to be delivered from from the very power and the bondage of sin so that they can be set free to be free in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the idea of deliverance. It, not only the, the uh, deliverance, but, but also the idea of safety. Salvation, in a sense, it, it carries the idea with it to be safe. To be keeping safe. Or preservation. That in Jesus Christ we're preserved until we're with Him in eternity. So when we, we pray for somebody, we want to see them to be saved forever. I'm, you know, why can't we get passionate about that for the people that we love physically here on earth and want to see them saved and preserved forever? That ought to be an exciting thing to, for us to want to do. Not only safety, but also it has to do with healing. Healing. Think about salvation. Salvation is the ultimate healing, isn't it? I mean, in all senses, it's, it, it's all the ultimate healing in body, soul, and spirit when someone's saved. You see, we're, we're, we're healed from this, this sin sickness that we have. Uh, we're we're, we're going to, you know, we may not be healed physically here on this earth, but we will be in heaven because of our salvation. Uh, we may still have struggles emotionally here, but one day we'll be whole and well. Um, and certainly we're made alive spiritually. Delivered from death. Made alive In Jesus Christ, so all these things God was, uh, Paul was praying for that purpose. He was witnessing to people for that purpose, is that they be delivered, that they be safe, and that they be healed. That's what salvation is. And so, Paul had this burden. Do you have a burden today? I hope so. I hope it's a deep burden. I hope it's a consuming burden for people to want to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Let me give you a second thing also. Not, not, not only about this burden for other salvation, but listen, because we have this burden for other salvation, we also have to have the understanding that many are blinded about salvation. They don't see what they need to see, and so God, through His Word and through witnesses and believers like you and I, uh, that we can be uh, facilitators of people being able to see what they need to about salvation. Many are blind. If you look at verse 2, he says, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, not according to knowledge. In other words, there's a great desire, even in Paul's day, for spiritual things. People had a, had a zeal for God in the world that we live in today. There, there's certainly a great zeal for spiritual things. You see it all around us in our culture today. Uh, there's all kinds of pursuit of the spiritual. I didn't say God. <laughs> I didn't say the Lord Jesus Christ, but spiritual things. <laughs> and there's a deep hunger inside of people to, to seek out the spiritual. But the problem is that they're blinded to the true God. Uh, even Israel had a zeal for God, but they didn't have the knowledge to know Him. They didn't know Him. They were blinded by their own self-interest uh, and their, uh, their own self-desires. So many people are blinded because of a lack of understanding about God. Uh, and so we, we need to uh, carry that message, looking to know God on their own terms. That's what Israel was doing. Yeah, I want to be spiritual, but I want to be spiritual my way. Or I want to be spiritual, or I want to have God in my life, but on my terms. And the problem is, is that God is a jealous God. And, and God is a righteous God, and so we don't come to Him on our terms, but we come to Him on His terms. We don't come to Him our way or our path, but we come His way. And that's what Israel had to see, and that's what we have to see today, and that's what we need to help others to see as well. Look at some of the things they were blinded about. They were blinded about how God accepts them. Uh, He says in verse 3, he says, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. So he, he's saying here is that, that they, they, they don't know how, uh, or they're blinded on how to accept God. There's an ignorance of God's righteousness, even in Israel's day and our day-to-day. Uh, that how to be right with God, and that ignorance leads them, what, verse 3, to establish their own righteousness. So what do people want to do? They don't want to, they're ignorant of God, of, of the way to come to God. And, and because of that, they, they establish their own way. In other words, they, they lay out their own path. Uh, they determine what they want to do. If you, if you met someone like that maybe recently? Is that you, you know that you're looking at their life and they're saying, Well, you know, uh, yeah, I know God and let me tell you how I, I found Him. And, and so they go and let me tell you the terms and, and the conditions of the relationship I have with Him. Uh, is that I you know I know God this way, that I know Him uh, to be able to permit me to act like this and do this and do all these kind of things that I want to do. And so God and I have this agreement that uh, I, I hold on to this little bit of my life and I give the rest to God and I act the way that I want to act. How, how do you think that we've gotten to where we are in the church today? Uh, that uh, How can you reconcile some of the things that some religious groups believe and reconcile that with the Bible and and then be comfortable with that? How can so many denominations that used to be great evangelists and used to be faithful to the Lord now all of a sudden accept the things of the culture and be okay with it when it's in exact contradiction to the Word of God? How can that be? It's because they've made their own way. And making their own way, they're blinded to how to accept God. We have to be careful about that. The problem with this kind of thinking is that you have to live with the outcome. Verse 5, he says, for Moses, you see for Israel it was the law. They wanted to be right with God through the law. And and that was an impossibility because the flesh is too weak to be obedient to the law, and verse five says, "For Moses writes about this right, about the righteousness which is of the law: the man who does those things shall live by them." <laughs> so what Paul's saying is that you know the, the, that that if you choose to live by the law, or you choose to come to God based on your obedience to the law, your good works, you're going to come up short and you're going to have to live the consequences. You see, for someone who tries to approach God on their own terms, they're going to come up short, and they're going to have to live the consequences. Another thing that he says also about this very thing, uh, about people being blinded, is that that the truth is that God makes us righteous in Jesus Christ. That's the truth. Look at verse 4. He says, For Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone who believes. So the the end of our salvation, in other words, is is faith in Jesus Christ. It's not coming to God on our terms or in our way, but it's coming to Him in His way. That's what faith is, isn't it? It's coming to God on His terms. If you look at verses 5 through 6, they're blinded about how God saves them. Uh, He says in verse 6, He says, but the the righteousness of faith, speaking in this way, do you say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from heaven, or who will descend in the abyss to bring Christ up from the dead? Paul's using some rhetorical questions here. And what Paul's saying is Paul's affirming the faith, that that faith must be in Jesus Christ, not in our own works or not our way. And what he's saying, he says, listen, can your faith... Uh, and your obedience to works reach up into heaven and bring Jesus Christ to earth? Or can your obedience to the law or your faith in your own way reach down into heaven and resurrect the Lord Jesus Christ? And the answer to that is no. No. You see, if we're trying to come to God on our own way, if our works saves us, then we deny the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, if you can save yourself, then then you're reaching up into heaven bringing Jesus to the earth to die for you. You're reaching down into the abyss or down to the grave and you're raising Him from the dead yourself. And really, Paul's saying that's an impossibility. It's impossible for anyone to save themselves. And so, some are blinded about how God saves. Some are blinded about what salvation is. But if you look at verse 8, some are blinded about how God reveals it. How He reveals His salvation. Look at verse 8. He says in verse 8, But what does it say? The Word is near you in your mouth, in your heart. That is the Word of faith which we preach. That's Paul saying He's saying that, that the Word of God is accessible. Right? That it's indispensable in our salvation. And so when it comes to someone seeking God, that they, they must seek God through His Word you know sometimes we want to see god uh, even in our own way don't we we want god to we want god to perform some kind of act so that we can know him we want him to come down into our misery and separate us from it and give us some kind of great sign like that and but you know the, the idea is that, that god has already revealed to us, how to be saved. And faith is accepting God's revelation of Himself and believing that. And so, but yet many are blinded. You ever wondered why the Word of God is always under attack? Always under attack. Satan is always attacking the Word of God, He's always trying to cast down the Word of God, He's always trying to. Uh, bring a case against the Word of God. Hey, it's not relevant anymore. It's old stuff. We don't need it anymore. It's dispensable. So we don't need. Why is he doing that? Because the Word of God reveals God and salvation. And apart from it, apart from it, we don't know God. What does Paul say in verse 17? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. God has revealed the way of salvation through His Word, we accept it or reject it. Simple as that. But it's not simple. So, salvation this give. Many are blinded about salvation. But, but also, if you look a little bit further, let me give you this last thing about salvation. There's the necessity of believing for salvation. In other words, we have to believe. We have to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's the necessity of believing for salvation. What does Paul say? You know, some of the most familiar passages in all the Bibles, uh, Romans 10, 9, and 10. We quote them in Bible school every year. We uh, quote them throughout. If you've ever memorized some uh, way of salvation or some plan to share with someone else about how to be saved, some gospel presentation, I will assure you it will always include Romans ten, nine, and 10. Uh, because it is fundamental and it is truth, uh, but Paul talks about the attitude of our heart in salvation doesn 't he if you If you look at verse ten, he says uh, in, in, uh, excuse me verse, chapter ten, verse nine that if we confess with your, that if you confess with your mouth Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved So he talks about an attitude of our heart uh, he says in verse ten uh, he goes on to say, For with a heart one believes into righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. You see the, word, the idea of confess in ver- verse 9 is that if we confess with our mouth, confess means to agree with, uh, to be in agreement with. If we're not in agreement with God about salvation, then we're not in agreement with God. In other words, if, <laughs> if, if we're not at the same place that God is about His salvation, then we're not saved. We, 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 we're in agreement with Him. Confession Confess means to say the same thing, to be in agreement with Him about. It's with our mouth. Because of what's in our heart, we confess with our mouth. We agree with God with the, with the, with the things that we do. As a matter of fact, our, our mouth confession is made, he says in verse 10. In other words, life, we live outwardly in agreement with God when we're saved. I mean, the things that we say, the things that we do are in agreement with God. We have to be in agreement with Him. That has to be the attitude of our heart to, to agree with God about salvation. His way, His, His means of salvation. Uh, he He says that, you know, that if we confess our matter and we believe in our heart, believe is to trust. So when we trust God, that we're in agreement with Him. And so Paul kind of ties this thing together in a in a double strong statement. He says that if we confess with our mouth, if we agree with Him, if we believe in our heart, if we agree with Him, believe, then the outcome is salvation. The attitude of our heart has to be surrender, submission to God. It has to be a full trusting in Him for salvation and no one else and nothing else. It, it has to be through His revelation, through His Word, that we believe in Him. And so when all those things come together, then the attitude of our heart is, is, is fully trust, submission to God for our salvation. He goes on to say not only about an attitude of our heart, but He says that acceptance is guaranteed when the attitude of our heart's right. He says in verse 11, for the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. The idea of being put to shame is disappointment. And it's disappointment... Uh, uh, by, by rejection. Uh, Paul says that, listen, if you if you believe in your heart, if your attitude's right, uh, if you're surrendered, submissive to God, asking Him for salvation, then you're not going to be disappointed by rejection. He's going to receive you. Uh, he's going he's to give you eternal life. Uh, John writes in John chapter 1, he says, but as many as received Him... To them, He gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in His name. So John says in the Scripture that, hey, that, that trust Him and He'll receive you. Paul says trust Him and He'll receive you. Believe in Him and He'll receive you. If you're here today, listen, don't think that God will not save you. He will. He will give you eternal life if you believe in Him, if you trust Him. And then finally, there's the availability is not limited not limited at all he says in verse 12 for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord over all is rich to so all who call upon Him what's Paul saying? he said look it doesn't matter where you're born or, or how old you are how young you are or, or what you look like on the outside he says what, what's important is what you believe on the inside if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and if you ask Him for that salvation then the Bible says He'll give you that salvation He'll receive you It's available. He says in verse 13, "...for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved." You know, Scripture says that salvation is available for whoever calls on the name of the Lord. And so the basic thing about our walk in relationship with God is founded on the fact of whether we're saved or not. Whether we've rightly understood God's gift of salvation... And whether or not we've rightly received it into our hearts through faith in Jesus Christ. And once we have that foundation, then on that we can build a life that can endure storms. We can begin a relationship with God where we can find power and strength, comfort, wisdom, whatever we need for life. But it all starts the moment that we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And that's believing on Him. Maybe you're here today and you're wondering about your own relationship with Him. You're you're, you're thinking about whether or not you know Christ as your personal Savior. You see, it's too important not to know Him, not to have that understanding nailed down in your life. So maybe today you, you wonder about that. You're waiting on God to do something. Listen, God's done something. He's given you instructions, understanding on how to know Him. Maybe you're here today and you'd like to trust Him as your personal Savior. This moment, this hour, you can know and believe on Jesus Christ as your Savior. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Not Monday, tomorrow, but today. You need to know Him today. I want you to bow with me as we bow our heads. I want to close in prayer. and then I want to invite you to stand and Uh, we're going to have a time of invitation.